0: Hello and welcome. This is episode three in our Burning Heart podcast series, Deuteronomy, Wellness God's Way. And the series was originally written for film, so do check out the videos, which are free on our website at burningheart.org forward slash Deuteronomy. We thought we should have a podcast version too though, so this is it. I'm David Ingle and I'm the writer of the series and founder and director of Burning Heart and I'm so pleased to have you with us once again. And today we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are one of the most famous parts of the whole Bible, still hardwired into our culture, even in our increasingly secular age. You can find magazines which will tell you about the Ten Commandments of golf or photography. Or I've got a book called The Rockstar's Guide to Life, in which stars like Ed Sheeran share their wisdom for life by rewriting the Ten Commandments in their own words. Even atheists who reject the Ten Commandments, like Richard Dawkins in his book The God Delusion, still frame their discussions of alternative ethics in terms of the search for a new Ten Commandments. All of which begs the question, why? What is so special about the Ten Commandments? Why are they so important? I wonder if you ever asked yourself that question. If you have, what answer would you give? That they're timeless wisdom? That they're some of the most important commandments in the Bible? That they were written on tablets of stone by God himself? Or maybe something like that? Well, all of those things are true. But surprisingly for most of us, they're not actually the main thing that makes the Ten Commandments special. To discover what is, we're going to continue our exploration of the wonderful biblical book of Deuteronomy, a series of farewell sermons Moses preached shortly before his death. In his longest sermon, spanning chapters 5 to 26, Moses seems to focus in on the Ten Commandments. Some scholars think that the whole section is loosely based on their structure – And Moses certainly begins in chapter 5 by retelling the story of the Ten Commandments. And it's that that we're going to turn to now. Except we're not going to work through them one by one. Instead, we're going to explore a little bit more why they're important, how they work as a whole, and what that teaches us about our relationship with God. And Deuteronomy 5 is a wonderful passage to do that, because it doesn't just list the commandments, it also begins to explain them. So, why are the Ten Commandments so important? Well, because they're the words that God spoke to all Israel. Look at Deuteronomy 5, verse 4. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain, and he said, What follows is what we call the Ten Commandments. In Hebrew, they're actually just called the Ten Words. Ten words. messages that God himself spoke in a loud voice before everyone. It's maybe worth just taking a moment to picture and imagine the scene. All Israel assembled on the plains around Mount Horeb in their hundreds of thousands as God comes to meet them in an extraordinary revelation. The mountain is shrouded in cloud and smoke and darkness, the ground shakes, the skies lit with fire and lightning, and the heavens resound to the sound of a trumpet blast. And then God speaks, out of the fire and cloud and darkness, in a loud and audible voice that must have thundered across the plain. What a moment! God reveals himself in power and glory and splendour to an entire nation at once. Can you imagine it? Well, what makes the Ten Commandments so special? Well, they're what God said to Israel in that moment. (laughs) Wow! And yet even that isn't quite the full answer, because you can still ask why. Why did God reveal himself in such glory and speak out of the fire and darkness to Israel? And again, Moses gives us the answer in our passage. It's just a line so we can easily miss it, but it's there and it's so important. Verse 2. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb, which is the name of the mountain. This grand revelation of God and the giving of the Ten Commandments were all about creating a covenant between God and his people. This is about relationship. That's essentially what that word covenant means. Establishing and formalising the relationship between God and his people Israel. The Lord our God made a covenant with us. The best illustration of what that all means for us is an image that God himself uses again and again later in the Bible to describe this relationship with his people. Marriage. If you like, this is the wedding ceremony of God and Israel. When filming this series, I went back to the church where my wife Liz and I got married, St Peter's Brighton. And I remembered there one of the best days of my life. And we spent a huge amount of energy and effort, and yes, money, to make it the best we could. And while I'm obviously a little biased, I think we did a pretty good job. But even I have to admit that God's big day casts ours into the shade. But the illustration of a wedding helps me to understand how this whole scene works. First and foremost, it helps me to know what really matters, which is the relationship. When we were planning our wedding, I used to say that actually as long as Liz showed up and said the vows, I didn't really care about the rest. And yet somehow the gathering of our friends and family and the flowers and the dress and the music and the church and the rings and the ceremony and all of them helped us to make that covenant to each other. To realise what we were doing and to make it real. And so it is, I think, with all that's going on in this awesome scene. The sound and light and earthquake extravaganza that God lays on are simply there to reinforce and help form and cement this relationship between God and his people. But it is all about the relationship. And it's not just in the frame and setting of the Ten Commandments that we see this. When we turn to the words God actually spoke, the Ten Commandments themselves, that relationship is still front and centre. How did the Ten Commandments start? For all their fame, in my experience, that's a question that most of us, even most Christians, usually get wrong. Because they don't start with a command at all. They start with a declaration. Verse 6. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God begins his words... With a reminder of who he is and what he's done for them, a reminder that he is already their God and of the grace he has already shown them. So, whatever else they may be, the Ten Commandments are emphatically not a recipe for how to earn favour and relationship with God, because that part has already been done by him. Going back to the illustration of marriage, Liz and I didn't meet at the altar. We were committed to each other. We were engaged. I loved her beforehand. I proposed with a posh picnic at a famous beauty spot she loves, and we still got the swanky hamper and picnic rug and, of course, the ring as reminders of that first commitment and our engagement. At this point, the illustration isn't perfect, because God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants was already unbreakable and far stronger than any engagement. But I still think that the idea of moving from engagement to marriage is a good one for helping us to understand this new covenant that God enters into with Moses and the people of Israel. And even as this covenant ceremony begins, God reminds Israel of their relationship with him. Like a bridegroom whispering, I love you, as the bride gets to the front. God declares his grace and relationship with them. And this emphasis on relationship doesn't stop there. If we then look at the structure and flow of what he commands the people to do, again, the start and emphasis is on their relationship with God. When people talk about the timeless and universal merits of the Ten Commandments, they often seem to skip the first few. But the commands start with instructions for how to protect and strengthen our relationship with God. Four commands which focus us on how best to love and follow him. And these actually seem to be emphasised more than the commands that follow. Together, the first four commands are more than twice as long as the remaining six, as God explains and expands on this central theme of relationship. So God starts with and focuses on his relationship with his people. And that is the core and heartbeat of the Ten Commandments, relationship. And even then, when we move to the final six commands, which are focused on our relationship with each other, actually our relationship with God is still in view. The only remaining one that has an explanation is the command to honour our parents, And the expansion starts by reminding us that we should do this as the Lord your God has commanded you. And in this, the Ten Commandments reflect a basic assumption that we'll see throughout the rest of Deuteronomy, and indeed all of Scripture, that our relationship with God should overflow into the rest of our lives. And because God loves each of us, to love God necessarily therefore also means loving our neighbour. And so the six commands about our relationships with each other flow out of the relationship that we have with God. And our motivation for wanting to put them into practice is not primarily that they are timeless and universal truths, although they are, but that they reflect the ways and character of the God we love. And he has commanded us to do them. It all comes back to relationship. The relationship between God and his people. Even the tablets of stone that God then writes the commandments on are actually about relationship, a permanent record and reminder of what God said, which are to be kept in the so-called Ark of the Covenant. They're like the marriage certificate. So we come to this passage looking for rules, but what we find is first and foremost relationship and yet. And yet, for all that, these aren't the 10 suggestions, the 10 top tips for happy and successful living, or God's attempt to break into the self-help market. They're known as the 10 commandments for a reason. And even if the Hebrew word can be translated as words or messages, it is pretty clear that God expected and commanded the people of Israel to do what he said. For instance, at the end of our passage, Moses concludes his section on the Ten Commandments with these words. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you. Now, I don't know about you, but the thrust of that seemed pretty clear to me. God expects them to obey. But what's that got to do with relationship? Because in our culture, we tend to assume that rules and relationships just don't mix. And there's the problem for us, not just with the Ten Commandments, but with all the rules and commandments that we find in the Bible. How can rules and relationship come together? How do we reconcile the emphasis the Bible places on grace and love With everything that it says about law and obedience. Some people just give up at this point, or prioritise one over another, or try to suggest that God used to be about the law in the Old Testament, but then changed and is now about grace. But the Bible itself doesn't allow any of those options. As we saw in the last episode, this law is actually rooted in grace, And in this moment, with the giving of the Ten Commandments, we see rules and relationship together at the same time. And for us, 21st century rule-averse Christians, I think that that is perhaps the most powerful thing we can get from the Ten Commandments. Even more than the details of the commands themselves. This dynamic of how they work. The rules are there because of the relationship. They're part of this covenant ceremony and they're given, if you like, as the recipe for how to make that relationship succeed. And at this point, I want to go back to my illustration of marriage because marriage also has commitments, things that we need to do at its heart. When I married Liz, I made a series of promises and vows before all my family and friends and hers and before God. I promised to love her, to cherish her to comfort her, to honour her, to protect her, and forsaking all others, be faithful to her as long as we both shall live. Those are some pretty big commitments. Lifelong promises with no get-out clause. So why did I make them? Well, one answer is that we wouldn't have been able to get married if I didn't. But of course, the fuller answer is that I love her and I wanted to commit to that relationship for the rest of our lives. Now, slavishly following those vows, the rules, if you like, won't create love or relationship where none exists. But it will protect and strengthen the love and relationship that is already there. Because they showed me the way forward, the way to invest in my marriage and the way to make it work. Because... If I break those vows, I won't just be breaking a contract, I'll be killing my relationship with Liz. Not actually because of the obligation, but because a marriage in which one spouse cheats, or checks out at the first hint of difficulty, or or fails to love and cherish the other, is one that will quickly grow cold and die. And so it is with these Ten Commandments, the marriage vows, if you like, of God and Israel. They are a God-given recipe for Israel to make their relationship with God work. Protecting and strengthening it. Not creating it because God had already initiated it by his amazing grace and established it by his actions in this awesome moment. But cherishing it. And for us as Christians, the details are different. But the dynamic is the same. It is by grace we are saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for us and for our sins. And as we saw at the end of our last film, even if we mess up again and again, that dynamic of grace is always there and Jesus is always willing and eager to forgive us and restore us. But if we want to cherish our relationship with God, if we want to grow closer to Jesus, if we want to be more filled with the Spirit, then in exactly the same way as we see in Deuteronomy 5 in the Ten Commandments, obedience is at the heart of that. And obedience was always and ever for our good. Not an arbitrary set of hoops to jump through, but the perfect plan of our perfect God for us to thrive. Look at Deuteronomy 5.29. What did God say? when the people responded positively in this moment of covenant. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me, and keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. At the start of this series, I referred to the current popularity of the idea of wellness. It turns out, though, that the solution isn't found in a grand spa hotel or beach holiday. The key to true wellness is something a whole lot less popular obedience. Obedience to God is the key to true wellness, as we cherish and safeguard our relationship with Him through it. Turns out that rules and relationship do go together after all. In fact, when it comes to our faith, they're hand in hand. For us, The relationship, the covenant with God is actually even stronger and greater than this covenant we read about in the Ten Commandments, which is pretty mind-blowing when you remember how awesome this moment at the mountain was. But we have more. Because unlike the people of Israel who draw away in fear after God speaks at the end of this chapter, God now lives within us by his Holy Spirit, always with us. And our covenant with him is written not on tablets of stone, but on our hearts, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. And yet that doesn't negate the essence of these Ten Commandments. The call to obedience still stands and still remains at the heart of our relationship with God. Indeed, Jesus explicitly tied love and obedience together, telling his disciples in John 14 15, if you love me, keep my commands. As we'll explore further next time, the greatest calling and command on us as Christians remains to prioritise our relationship with God, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and all our strength. So as we close, let's pray about that. Come Holy Spirit, as we talk about relationship, fill me afresh, I pray. Renew my love for you. Help me to obey you and strengthen my relationship with you. Come Holy Spirit. Amen.